Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Says Podcast. I am your host, as always, Garrett Williams, and joining me today are my two usual co-hosts. First off, my boy, Kyle Henning. Kyle, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, Thursday, almost Friday, ready for the weekend, getting a bunch of stuff done around the house. All kinds of stuff, man. It's been a day, it's been a week. After last weekend, it's it was a nice little reset week of way too much stuff going on to do an episode on Tuesday or Monday. So we're here on Thursday going into Friday. Yes, sir. And also join us, of course, my guy, Arrowhead Tom. Tom, how are you doing this fine evening? It has been a long week. If you remember how you felt Sunday afternoon post game, that's essentially how my whole week has been. has felt that way. So I'm excited that we're most of the way through the week on to Tampa Bay and focused on what's next positive thing up ahead yeah definitely trying to focus on the positives and focus on the next portion of the Chiefs season uh unfortunately we will have to talk just a little bit about uh the just frankly the gross embarrassing loss no you guys can that's what we're that's called the burn the tape game so when they burn the tape I watch it one time on film and then I burn the tape you guys sure. have yeah. Uh, just a quick little synopsis here. Yeah, obviously very gross game. Special teams, maybe the worst we've seen in the uh, Andy Reid era. Um, that Dave Tobe ever. I yeah. don't think I've ever seen a worse performance out of his special teams unit ever. Yeah, we've seen a lot of bad ones. Definitely seen a lot of bad ones. Um, yeah, and that, one was, just... that one was like threefold. What? Yeah, it wasn't just the kicker. It's for his. Yeah. Everybody well, struggled, and it was, I mean, it was mostly the kicker. The punt returners. But yeah, it was a lot was, of the kicker. The, the, a lot of it was the kicker, but it wasn't just the kicker. And it was not just the hard, kicker. The punt like, returners. The kick returner. Punt kick returner. returner. Yeah, the minimum yeah. on special Locking. teams don't mess up, and they couldn't even do that. Uh, yeah. It was not a good, it was not a banner day for any of the, the offense or the special teams, really. The defense was the only thing I would even remotely spend any time talking about. Defense had quite the game. Chris Jones, you know, even though he was kind of the, the storyline of the game there at the end, had a phenomenal day. D-line had a pretty good day getting to Matt Ryan, keeping him limited. Uh, only to 20 points in the end, which, you know, should have been more than plenty, but I digress. Um, but, yeah, really. They spotted him freaking sevens. With they fumbled special team snap of the four. Yeah. So, really, kind of like Kyle said, not much to talk about 
it's already been talked about a lot by a lot of different people who are a lot smarter than us really dove into the numbers and the tape and all that good stuff we'll just say yeah very ugly performance from the chiefs um universally disgusting pretty much it's yeah. a simple and, oh by the way i will say this for everybody that seems to like to skip this when this happens patrick was not good sunday yeah if the, he was whole... if he was good sunday they win sunday because yeah, while everybody else bad, struggled though. he also had several missed missed things he could have done better also so yes um I think there's concern about the chemistry between Patrick and the receivers, but we need to wait to get that more time. They're all it's, new. It's, it's, it's early. Yeah, it's the NFL, and it's the, the you know expression is any given Sunday. And the reality is, is no matter how bad it is, if you a team hang around in the NFL, like they let the Colts hang around, um, they have a, a puncher's chance. And, and this particular round, the Chiefs got caught in the jaw. And so, what sucks about that especially is the part of the stretch of the schedule that the Chiefs are headed into is they've really left themselves with very little, you know, margin for error for the next, you know, four or five games of the, of the uh, schedule. Let me ask you this then. Do, do you guys think in the same philosophy that some do that Andy sometimes game plans certain things to where they have to play perfectly within the very mundane game plan to win a game, whereas – or even have to play have to play well in a mundane game plan to win, because there are people of the mind that they walked into that Colts game with their Sesame Street cards on that they've been putting the same they used the same plays they put on tape for a hundred years in that game and and did nothing and it was bland and vanilla and this and that and I, I'm just curious to hear your two opinions on that ideal thought process there. Yeah, Tom might have a deeper thought on this, but I've especially the past couple years it really just seems like Andy Reid just kind of calls his own game you know he does his own thing he plays his own game and he doesn't really care who or what the opponent is and sometimes that ends up working if you're going against like a week one Arizona Cardinals where they're kind of figuring a lot of stuff out not really a as, as sharp of a team um but it just feels like way too often the past couple years we've we've kind of came out of games saying like oh the other team prepared a lot better for the Chiefs than the Chiefs did, you know, to them. And we always give credit, give credit to Gus, Gus Bradley, give credit to the Colts, all this good stuff. But it's like, man, it just never feels like we're really coming out of these games talking about how Andy Reid had a good game plan against somebody. You know, it's either the Chiefs did what the Chiefs usually do or the Chiefs get beat doing what they usually do because so it's kind of been figured out already. Doing what the Chiefs usually do is Andy having a really good game plan and pantsing people and making them look stupid too. Well, see, that's just I don't, I don't think – I mean, definitely sometimes, but a lot of the times it ends up being kind of a thing where we get two coordinators butting heads, where Andy Reid's doing his own thing and whatever defensive coordinator it is is doing their own thing, and Andy just beats them. But it seems like if a coordinator kind of adjusts and and does basically what the game plan is to beat the Chiefs, it, I'm not seeing Andy Reid kind of come out of that and, and adapt. And are, are you, are you saying Andy Reid doesn't make adjustments, Garrett? That's kind of what I'm saying, honestly. I'd which say I mean, you're 100% listen. wrong, and that's okay. Okay. Well, I was, oh, I was 100% done with my take, but that's cool. Uh <laughs> Really, it's just comes I'm down to. I'm simply saying I would say you're 100% wrong on the part where he doesn't make adjustments. That's the part I'm saying you're 100% wrong. About. That was the part I was asking about. Scout would like to interject uh, twice, apparently. 
But no, I don't want Gary to finish the whole take because I, there's a yeah, whole question. The I said you're well, to, well, to that portion of the take. Yeah, really just the thought was, it's like, Andy Reid, listen, you have, you're one of the best play callers and offensive minds in NFL history, so I can definitely see why you can kind of stick to what you know and stay on that course. But it just feels like at a certain point, he kind of tries to jam that in too often. And it's just eventually you have to kind of realize and jump ship and say, hey, what we're doing and what what this supposed game plan is, which is kind of the same game plan every week, it's not working. So maybe we have to adapt to something that uh, actually is based off the film and the tape that we're seeing live, you know, the adjustments, the, the schemes, all this stuff that we're seeing live. I just, it doesn't seem like, uh, barring like maybe a two-minute drill at the end of the game where the Chiefs can come back and magically win it, and then everyone kind of says like, oh, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, you know? That's just what happens. But it's like, in between the first 15 and, you know, the two-minute drive to win the game, all that in in between just kind of gets muddied. And I don't think people focus on it too hard because the result ends up being most of the time that the Chiefs win, and the Chiefs almost had a, a chance to win it there at the end anyways. Um, I think but the middle, the middle part too muddy. Yeah. So I, I'm going to split this take down the middle between the two of you, because I think that there is room to criticize Andy Reed's play, like some of his tendencies. And that's what I'll, I'll say is I think that Andy Reed is not patient enough with the section of his playbook. That's based on tendency breaking because he will go to a couple of plays here or there in an adjustment, but if they don't automatically work, he goes right back to his kind of his his default stuff. Uh, in some ways, he is uh, maybe more recently has been. This might not even be necessarily Andy. This could be the influence of Patrick. This could be, um, you know, the enemy's touch on it. But there's there's not always that patience. Like, you know, we talked about like the two minute drive that thing. The Chiefs really need they they need to be able to together those long sustained drives and yes they have the ability like the big play explosive stuff um although i i've struggled to see that this year and i think that part of the issue is that they get a little bit antsy to try to find that connection um at least this year i feel like they've they've been a little bit antsy they've taken a couple of deep shots that i'm like okay like you i guess you can take that deep shot to keep things honest but you didn't necessarily have to um, same thing with some of the like, gimmicky plays. Like, okay, we, we might be getting a little bit too cute here. At the end of the day, like Garrett said, one of the greatest minds, offensive minds in you know NFL history. Right now, I think it's really easy to criticize him because the NFL or the NFL, the offense feels a little wayward. But I will also add that MVS, uh, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Justin Watson, we're not on this roster seven months ago, eight months ago, right? Um, McCall Hardman can't get open. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. and the, there's there's some of that is, I could look at the, the players and the connections and all that stuff. Um, Andy Reid has pretty much always been able to kind of scheme guys open and get guys open, so it's it's an interesting spot. I think that the challenge for the offense is finding those specific roles. And this is one of the things that I was thinking about Sunday was it really feels like they've pieced out this offense to a lot of role players and wide and wide receiving um, without having a true alpha, not named Travis Kelsey. 
Um, and so I think they're they're trying to, you know, figure that out. I, I don't see other teams in this position, you know, burning the world down. I can't – I mean, who's Green Bay's leading receiver right now? What are – you know, that type of thing. Like, this isn't – this isn't – yeah, this isn't an indictment on necessarily Andy Reid. It's just the stage of where this roster's at, where they had to turn over that receiver room after you so, know the Tyreek departure, and they're figuring it out. So I have no problem with Andy Reid criticism. Um, I do have a problem with what I said I had a problem with, which was saying he doesn't adjust. The, the man makes adjustments all the time, mostly based on personal. As a matter of fact, I would say he's probably made too many adjustments this year to the extent of they've changed some of the structure of how they do things on the offensive side of the ball so much, they've altered snap counts of players that we thought were going to be on the field more than they should, than they have been sky more. They've run so much multiple tight end stuff this year and to get to some similar plays, but out of some different formations and patterns than they've ever used in the past that I think he's maybe done too much adjusting to try to compensate for not necessarily having what he's had in the past. So I'd almost say his over-adjustment might be more of a hindrance than him not adjusting enough. I guess I could see what you mean by the game-to-game stuff because he has his tendencies as a play caller that he's carried throughout his whole career. But you are who you are as a play caller to an extent. You're not very often going to run out an entirely brand-new philosophy on how to run an offense. He's not going to go from a guy who's predominantly been West Coast to a guy who's going to line up in the I formation and run it down your throat 65 times. Except for that Buffalo Bills game Except for the one time in <laughs> Buffalo to open the year two years ago, and he was like, hey, sometimes I can just run the ball 70 times too because I feel like it. But that's not – like, I get it. Just like Belichick runs a certain style of defense most of the time. He will occasionally switch things up when his personnel requires it, but he has his tendencies that he prefers also, right? So my thing there is I don't disagree that he can be criticized. I just think that when you're talking about his adjustments, they have to be looked at from more than just a um, general his whole career's tendencies thing and it more of a he adjusts year to year. It may be to try to get to some similar things that he likes to do, but he has to do so many different things inside of what that team is because of how it's built. I mean, this you guys just talked about it. This roster is built on the offensive side, completely different than it was 10 months ago. They've got an entirely different tight end room than they finished the last half of the season with last year. They've got an entirely different wide receiver room, and they have two remaining running backs from this last year. So it's basically been 15, the O-line, and two running backs, and Travis are your consistent pieces from the last season's offense. It's going to take time to make some of that work. You know, Andy had some guys running wide open on Sunday, and Patrick chose to take a little bit of a different shot. Um, he, like I said, uh, there was a there was one he threw deep shot. I think it was to MBS or Juju or McColl down the sideline, and Travis was running down the middle of the field wide open. The shot was there. The play didn't get made. It happened, but the the guys were open. They were schemed open. It's just the play didn't hit. So sometimes it's also did it work. And, and that goes down to, I think, a lot of the conversation we talk about them getting too cute. It's only too cute if it doesn't work. Every Otherwise, they're the iconic plays. Rose Bowl right parade, hungry pig left. Um, we've got names for all of these throughout the years and over the time frames and, and whatnot, right? So when they work, we love them. When they don't, we don't. And then at the end of the day, always is get it right business. But if we're going to look at this stuff, I, just for me, as far as talking from an adjustment perspective, he adjusts just fine. It's just 
how you how he adjusts and what he does. And also, we talked about, at least I talked about last week, they ran inside zone really or outside zone really well. And they tried to run a bunch of outside zone in this Colts game and they didn't run it very well. And by that I mean Clyde had zero yards on his total carries, even though he had a touchdown. And none of the rest of the running backfield had much of anything either. So it's just, it's interesting to watch them find a new entire soul as an offense almost because they gutted the whole thing and started over basically, which, I mean, we knew we were going to come into this. So I just, it was curious to me that I think I, I'm more of the belief of the question I asked to begin with a little bit was I think Andy sometimes puts in enough to win a game. And then if they screw up that stuff, it can cost them because he puts in just enough to beat certain teams. And I think, I think that's where he sometimes gets himself into trouble. I think um, KU fans or even maybe Wichita State fans could could understand this from the last from the, from their past or in, in their recent past. Though sometimes it looks like they play opponents that they should absolutely slaughter way too close, and then they play opponents that they are extremely close with. It should be a really good game, and they blow them out. And it's it doesn't always make sense when that happens. So sometimes we, we try to make sense of things. I think though, in that instance, and sometimes like it is with KU for sure, sometimes they they just put only enough in the game plan to get the W. And then if they don't execute it and it it falls short, they, they lose that game when they should have probably won it. If they'd have put a little more into the game plan, they gave them a little more buffer, if you know what I mean. So that's my view on that portion of that conversation. But all I know is I'm tired of tweeting out second and 10 run drink on Twitter every time. I don't think you're going to get done doing that. Every anytime game that soon. happens. Probably, pretty sure that it, probably 80% of those drives end up in punts. So Andy Reid, I you love you. I always love you. It's going to be second and 10 run because he's going to keep doing it. Yeah. Or Andy if, Reed, if it's not a run, it's a screenplay. I love Andy Reid. I always will. But in other news, definitely wants Andy Reid has a twin brother. That was surprising news. Yeah. I had <laughs> Not, not related to this necessarily, but I, what? Yeah, just um, a little. All right, moving, moving on. Yeah, quick I, little transition. Ultimately, Colts game burned the tape. Moving on to this Bucks game here. Uh, Sunday night football in Tampa Bay confirmed to be in Tampa Bay. Uh, after there's some question marks about whether it would get moved to Minneapolis potentially because of Hurricane Ian, uh, which absolutely, yeah, absolutely devastating hurricane. Definitely best wishes to everyone in Florida right now. Uh, having to deal with that. That's one of the crazier hurricanes I think we've ever seen. Uh, and it seems like, according to the science and everything like that, these are going to just keep on getting worse. But eh, what do I know? I don't know. I'm not no scientist. Um, but I will say, Sunday night in Tampa Bay, it's going to be a crazy one. Um, I'm guessing the weather still probably won't be fully cleared up by then. Um, who knows what the infrastructure around the stadium is going to look like then and if that's cleared up or not. Uh, definitely a lot of question marks. Uh, who knows how the field surface is going to be after all that, all this stuff. Um, so definitely interesting to see. But going to Tampa Bay, playing Tom Brady, the GOAT, uh, the Chiefs don't have the best record versus Tom Brady. Um, specifically Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, I don't think, have actually beaten. I think according to Kelsey, he they haven't actually beaten Tom Brady yet. Uh, so definitely hopeful they to have see. together. I think Kelsey had said it. When he was with the Patriots, they beat him. They beat the crap out of him in the regular season. In the Mahomes era? Yeah. Uh, They also beat him the year that they 
won the Super Bowl or that they lost to them in the Super Bowl. They remember yeah. Tyreek like yeah, they the Tyreek for two hundred yards in the first quarter in that on the way to that in that year on the. Game I, I don't know what Travis Kelsey was talking about then that one time. I have no, book. maybe not in a, I, you know, in Tampa. Maybe he, I mean, he might have been talking about playoffs or something. He might have been talking about playoffs or big games, something like that. Either way, yeah. definitely a lot of history between these two teams, or definitely. I guess the Chiefs and Tom Brady. Definitely a lot of history between them. Um, definitely should be a good game. Now both teams are kind of coming off of. A, a embarrassing loss. I, the Bucks haven't been looking great the past two weeks. Chiefs, you know, one and one the past two weeks. Also, I don't think have looked phenomenal. Um, so it's kind of a wake-up game for both teams. Hoping to see, uh, you know, or interesting to see which team kind of wakes up first in this game. Um, what are you guys' initial thoughts heading to Tampa Bay on Sunday night? This game's a mess. Yeah. The, the whole scenario, first of all, leading into the game, separately of all the stuff football-related, is completely a mess. Um, you already talked about this a little, a bunch, but, like, with with the whole hurricane thing, like, first of all, absolutely, as Garrett said, we hope everybody down there stays as safe as possible if you're down there and didn't get out in time or whatever it is. Um, uh, I Sometimes I wish the NFL would save itself and – Sometimes it, it's cities and it's teams from themselves and and just do things that should be done regardless of whether or not that it can be done. Sometimes things can be done that shouldn't be done, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. Um, I would not play that game in Tampa. Strictly not. And Tampa people may be all upset and whatnot. Look, I, fine. I understand if you guys want to have it there. But it, the dangers, the, the amount of stuff that has happened in that area – and having a bunch of people that are going to try to travel into that game can put a lot of strain on the resources, economy, area, people that live there, work there, that are already going to be fighting for resources in, in a lot of places. So it's just yeah. it's a lot to ask. So uh, I know you don't want to lose a home game and have it become a neutral site or whatnot, but Minnesota, New Orleans, whatever, wherever, I just don't know that I would, if I was the NFL, that I would optically put that game in Tampa this close to how devastating that hurricane was to that entire peninsula. Yeah. It's. And that's just the off the field stuff. I didn't even talk about yeah. the entire, both entire teams having a laundry list of injuries in the wide receiver room. I see eight wide receivers on the, on the injury report this week. From yeah, between the two teams. <laughs> and, and the offensive line has on at least our offensive line hasn't been healthy and half of their offensive line got eliminated for the season before the year started. So, like, it, this, as much as these two teams are different, they are also similar in a lot of ways. This game's a mess is what this game is for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to predict. It's even hard to think about because you've just been thinking about so many other things this week. Um, you know, when you think about Tampa Bay and, and Florida, and, uh, gosh, I – it is. It's just tough to think about what's how the game's going to even look. Um, and Kyle said that there's just so many concerns about the drain of resources, right? You know, people coming into town, or um, even just like I think of, you know, if you go to an NFL game, there's a, usually a pretty healthy amount of emergency personnel there, right? Um, and, and those individuals, respectfully, um, as much as they may enjoy working those games, you know, their, their communities have a much bigger need. So. Um, I'm with Kyle on saying, hey, we, you know, just because you could doesn't mean you should. And, uh, 
you know, the, the NFL probably could have handled that better. But um, beyond that, like I said, it's, it's tough to think about what this game is going to look like just because both teams are banged up. It's early in the season. These are normally two really big teams, you know, um, but both are kind of off to a not exciting start. Um, both have looked, you know, these are two superhuman teams that both look pretty human right now. And I am curious. I, I know um, uh, Shaq Barrett was kind of poking at the offensive line earlier, um, you know, in Kansas City and saying, oh, they're pretty much the same as, you know, what we saw in the Super Bowl, which I hope they printed and posted somewhere in that locker room because that is that is a big day because uh, this is a much different room and deserves a lot more respect than that. Hmm. That That quote is. I don't know if I were him that I would have said that statement because, I mean, you know, at that point, you set yourself up to a whole group of people either side of this, whether you either look real, real smart or real, real dumb. Because if you actually think that that group is the same as the group that you played against in the Super Bowl, I mean... Only Wiley would be the transfer over. I guess. <laughs> I I don't know what we're looking at, but we are apparently watching different film of the two two offensive lines in question. Um and and I I'd be willing to bet that the majority of anyone who watches that film that has any ability to be unbiased in the scenario would agree with me. So uh and that's even with them not playing well the last couple of weeks. And I think a couple of them playing with some injuries that aren't really being discussed. I, I'm almost convinced that Trey is dealing with something more than what's being talked about. And I'm in a similar boat with Orlando. So um, it, 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 this, this offensive line group is eons better than what they had in that Super Bowl. And that's not really anything against those guys because that was like the third and fourth string at uh, every position at that point. So... Right. Yeah. Somebody's being disingenuous or doesn't understand what he's watching, and that's scary for being an NFL player. So either either way, it's not a good look. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. It's just gonna be. It's an interesting game to look at for sure. Both teams, like I said, getting out of a rut of some sort, just trying to find, you know, just trying to prove that they're not, they're like the world isn't ending around them, you know, which mm-hmm. I think. It's September. Yeah, it's September. That's we do have to think about that sometimes. Um, but yeah, heading into this, you know, obviously we talked about the offense a little bit and their struggles, but defensively uh, versus Tom Brady, you know, versus all those receivers, uh, what do we kind right. of? Exp- yeah, about to say there's. It's going to be a kind of a hodgepodge of guys who are playing for the Bucks on on the offense. Man, this um, defense. Did we expect this unit to be the best unit of the week for three consecutive weeks to start the season? Because I'm going to guess if you asked any of anybody that covers this team before the season, all of anybody would be like, uh, no. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. 
Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. The traditional medical system doesn't allow doctors the necessary time to spend with each patient. And that's not the way it should be. At Partner MD, you'll have the one-on-one time you need with your doctor. Partner MD provides individualized care, medically advanced testing, and 24-7 access to care at a cost that's lower than you might think. Maybe it's time for a new tradition. Partner MD, it's better healthcare for an even better you. Visit partnermd.com. Yeah. They have been, and it hasn't really been all that close other than maybe week one when the offense absolutely obliterated and ethered the Cardinals. But the defense was also really good in the first week, too. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, and they haven't had starters. They're missing a couple, and you put, oh, Mike Dana. Yeah, he's a starter. He's been a starter for a year and a half now. Yeah. Starter. Um, McDuffie, uh, they're impressive. And I'm curious to see what if they continue the same trend they've had. The matchup that I think they can take advantage of the most is the one that's actually been doing the best for them, I think, most of the season, which is the defensive line. I think their D-line yeah. is set up to have a real nice day against this Tampa offensive line. I talked about it a little bit earlier. That offensive line has been hurt since the opening day of training camp. Um, they lost uh, – basically an anchor on that offensive line immediately into training camp and then lost another one, not too long after it. Yeah. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to see what Tom does. He doesn't like to get hit and it's early. And mm-hmm. sometimes when it's early and Tom's getting hit, Tom gets frustrated and starts throwing tablets and gets out of his game. And then he doesn't play very well. So, so you know who Tom really doesn't like to see a whole lot of on the football field. Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. Exactly. Chris, Chris Jones. You know who we can expect to see a lot of. Yards for talking. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris Jones lives yeah. in, in Tom Brady's nightmares. That's for sure. Yeah. Did you see yeah, Chris's tweet? Some... I did not. What did he say? In response to Mr. Pro Football Half Truth Florio. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I'm not even pulling punches with Florio anymore. I'll just call him out on this podcast. I'm over. Florio's it. I horrible. Don't care. Florio's, I, Florio's been bad for Florio tweeted and wrote a story about the ref saying that what Chris Jones said was a terrible monstrosity abuse of a language that should be never said on a football field. Chris Jones tweeted with zero words, one emoji, a hat. <laughs> Cap. Uh, yeah. If you think Chris is going into a game with Tom Brady, who he already really doesn't like, I and is going to be in a good mood after that, y'all, y'all are confused. I really do struggle with the idea of a penalty for for saying something. I think, and really, I think universally, Uh, especially around the NFL, that was kind of regarded as like, hey, like. Whatever you know, the worst thing he could have ever said is that even worth like it's crazy the the penalty for an unsportsmanlike conduct like, it's 15 yards like that's a, an automatic first down all the time for like, talking for talking like it is just kind of ridiculous how that penalty is the I worst just, and if and if we're gonna give 15 yard penalties for talking I just like to see them given to both directions and equally because you know. Who does more talking than any human being on a football field with his mouth running at another opponent? Tom Brady is coming. We had to play him this weekend. So I just if we're going to give those to Chris should... Jones for talking, I'd like to see Tom get one too is all. I think that definitely needs to be changed to what, maybe a five-yard penalty. 
if that. You want me to get a 15-yard penalty? Uh, oh, what do no, I do? Not, not, not your pretty, beautiful bald <laughs> self. Uh, the other guy who looks like somebody is sucking the soul out of his body actively every time he goes into a press conference. Oh, all right. right. So, yeah, no, I, I hope you know what? As long as Chris Jones gets a couple hits on Tom Brady and it's a dub at the end of the day, I'm okay if he gets a penalty for talking to this Sunday. Uh-huh. So, I, I don't know. I, I think, like, to get Garrett's question of on the defensive side, outside of the defensive line room, I don't know what to expect, man, because those are, like, nine guys where we don't have a lot of info or data to play with. And I mean – uh Nick Bolton's good at football, and I don't know what the heck else I'm supposed to expect out of everything else we're getting other than maybe Juan Thornhill. I'd say the DBs have actually been pretty good. Juan Thornhill's having a good day, was having a good season so far. Jalen Watson, the rookie, has been having a well, really good yeah, season thus Jaylen's far. Jalen's fine and all, but like, as far as known commodities outside the defensive line, you got yeah. right now on this football field, you have Nick Bolton, Juan Thornhill, and two games of whatever Justin Reed. Guys, guys say Sneed for sure. Sneed over I, Justin Reed. I love Ladarius, but he also has been hurt, and he had a couple of up and down. Now, corner's hard. It's always he's up and down, but he hasn't been as consistent. I, I do love Ladarius. He's been really good. But, again, it's just interesting to see what we've got, and especially because part of the reason you don't know what you're getting from Ladarius is you don't know where the heck Spags is going to put him for the game, so you don't yeah. know where to put his ceiling, like, his ceiling is higher as a slot corner than it is as an outside corner. So I try to, we talk about it on this podcast all, all the time, setting expectations appropriately. When they move him, I try to adjust my expectations for him. So it's, it's tough when they do that with him for me to tell you exactly what I think he's going to give you every week when I never know where he's going to be. As long as I keep blitzing him, I'm happy. Everybody and it works money. every time. It's it money. works every time. Uh, yeah. Spags Spags is definitely having a good season thus far with this new unit. Definitely dialing up some good pressures. He's a guy who I can really go into a game saying, Wow, he had a great game plan for this offense and I love to see it. Tom, talk Sometimes. about the secondary though. Sometimes. They've done all kinds of stuff. Talk about the secondary. Yeah, I mean, it's been this. It's just been really fun to watch uh, because of the versatility in the secondary, and because the young guys have stepped up. Um, and and somebody who I uh, in in the past had said, "Hey, I don't know what this second contract is going to look like. If there's going to be a second contract, um, Juan Thornhill has looked good. Uh, him and and Snead both are all over the place in that secondary." And I, I understand that, you know, there's secondary plays hard and there's ups and downs, but um, yeah, considering the teams that they faced and how everything has gone, I've been very impressed. Um, also losing McDuffie early. I mean, that's, that's kind of wild, right? Like that was their first round pick. He was the protected starter and he's out. And then you bring in a seventh round guy who's held his own pretty well um, against some tough matchups. I, I know Indianapolis wasn't exactly the, um, you know, isn't exactly a vertical passing scheme or whatever but michael Pittman jr is no joke um they've got some talent out there on that on that field but they they held their own um the flexibility and the the ability to kind of move guys around and, and play the matchup games i think specifically about the chargers game where they could take rashad fenton off of mike williams and you know have watson cover him and, and play that size matchup a little bit better which they probably should have done from the beginning but i also understand not wanting to start a rookie there um so yeah it's just that secondary as a whole, um, and I will also say this mostly because I think 
Um, we haven't called his name, but Justin Reed has been as solid and as reliable as you can. I think that he plays as assignment sound as you find. He's not, um, he isn't as flashy as what we, as what Tyron Matthew was and maybe isn't going to be around, but he also, you know, plays really well and run support. And like, it, it, again, it's one of those things where you're not, you're not going, Oh man, Justin Reed gave up the big play. He's just there doing his job. And I think that it's really a, um, it's just been fun to watch. I'm excited to see. This is going to be a tough challenge. Tom Brady's one of the best to ever do it, if not the best, and, and he can pick a part of secondary. So I'm sure it'll be there'll be some bumps, but also I think Spagnuolo is going to get after him as much as he can, and uh, I think we'll we can see a really interesting game from this defense, and hopefully a better, uh, yeah, a stronger game from the offense. But I'm excited to see it against another test for a young defense that's uh, exceeded my expectations. As the president of the I Told Y'all Juan was coming back after that injury and he got fully healthy fan club. Yes, Sierra, please talk about Juan. <laughs> um, I think maybe some of the Justin Reed stuff that you just mentioned is because we don't have McDuffie on the field right now and they've got some guys in some places they're not sure about yet. You may see him start to widen out and expand some of the things that he does and do some different things even more when you get McDuffie back and they get a little more comfortable in their secondary. I think he's been very safe and very dependable, like you mentioned, but I think that's on purpose based on what they currently have, and they may expand some of the things they try to do with him. Um, your point about <clears throat> Spags and, and Mike Williams and his insistence of using Richard Fenton to cover him in the first half, that would be similar to some of those tendencies we were talking about with Andy and not being willing to break things on Spags is in kind of thing. So that would be my only thing on that end. But Spags has been way better about being multiple this year and maybe trusting those rookies more than he would have in years past, partially because eh, you don't have a choice, but there's nobody else on the roster. <laughs> there, there aren't any other corners that aren't rookies. Who would you like to go get, buddy? You don't have one. Go grab a rookie. <laughs> so um, that's part of it. Garrett, Darius Harris. Yeah. Not a, game, bad, not a bad outing for him. Well, and <laughs> we thought that was Elijah Lee's spot because that's what everybody kind of said, and that's what we thought, and that's what they thought. And then, yeah, oh, no, yeah, Elijah by the Lee's. way, Darius Harris was like, hey, guys, um, actually, it's my spot, and now Elijah Lee is not on this roster. Yeah, Darius Harris definitely making the most of his opportunities. And Spags has kind of said in in the interviews and all that, it's kind of been a couple of years in the making here. He's been a kind of a homegrown talent, uh, had good, a decent amount of snaps in a couple of games last year where he got some green dot usage. We saw him using the green dot uh, in the preseason in training camp. Just a really smart athletic player. Um, obviously not Willie Gay. Willie Gay is a, a very, very good player. Darius unicorn. Harris turned out to free agent. Unicorn. Yeah. Willie Gay is a unicorn. And I don't Willie like Gay is very, very often, but he's a unicorn. They don't but, make them. You can't build that much athleticism in a laboratory. Willie Gay is a freak athlete. That's that's no question about that. Darius Harris is a very good athlete. And uh, that shouldn't be held against him. But, yeah, he had a great a great showing. A couple of coverage miscues, which is going to happen when, you, when you know, you're kind of thrust into that position. Um, but he had some very sure tackling. He was reading the running game pretty well. Um, overall, like, from from a guy in that situation, he played as good as you could have wanted him to, you know. So it's, I'm really happy to see that for him. 
undrafted guy get an opportunity. Homegrown, undrafted. Exactly. Yeah. Go steal it out of the injury scrap heap pile and stash it in the free to free to IR reserve bins for a few years. And oh, look, it paid dividends. What do you know? And we gave up mm, seventy-five dollars and a bag of potato chips to get it. What do you know? Yeah, and, and just another guy who he was undrafted free agent and then was put on IR for the entire year. So basically, an, an IR red shirt, which you've seen tons of times with the Chiefs over the years, which always seems to lead to success. It's really crazy to see. Malik Herring, Byron Pringle many years ago. A couple of different guys have been there. Oh, many, um, many guys. Many guys who have actually put in some decent snaps. So, yeah, great to see that from Darius Harris, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think I think we should kind of get to the uh, the cream of the crop here. Can we? Can I ask you one thing first? Okay. No. Colin Saunders? Colin That's Saunders. the only guy's tape that I didn't want to burn from the Colts game, to be 100% <laughs> honest with you. Yeah. Dude. Contract year. Undefeated. Did you watch that? Did you watch? Did you watch any of him? Yeah, a little he bit. Was, he was out there just oh, murking dudes. It's together. It's the whole thing that we talked about a month ago, right here on this podcast, when we were previewing this coming out of camp. And I said, if he just puts all the pieces together and stays healthy, I think this is his season. He was everywhere in that Colts game on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. On In the run game, in the passing game, he was all over the place. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Yeah, and as kind of a Colin Saunders detractor the past couple years, I've kind of been a little sour on him. Uh, But to be honest, he really has kind of been developing into what we expected him to be just a couple years ago, which, hey, it makes sense. He was a really maybe a kind of a reach in the draft in the third round, but the the profile was there. All the pieces, you know, we could kind of see were there. It's just sometimes you take a little Brett Veach early draft. Exactly. Guy. Yeah. But you get, you could see all the, you could see the vision for him, you know, and ultimately the goal was to have him kind of be playing like how he is now uh, a very, like a, a a bigger pass rusher from the interior who can move bodies, who can get, you know, good, good uh, gap coverage in the run game, all that good stuff. It's like, yeah, it just you're happy to see him finally start to develop. I, I, to be honest, it's no surprise. I think with the new D line coach Joe Cullen in there, that Colin Saunders is having a great year. I think that entire D line unit has kind of had a resurgence under Joe Cullen this year. Not to say that Brendan Daly was doing a bad job. I just think sometimes a change of scenery for guys and a change of coaching uh, and just kind of getting some different schemes and, and blocking things implemented in, I think it's just a good for everybody. And Joe Cullen has seemed like a guy who can kind of unleash it in people and unlock that different, that next, uh, that next level. And Colin Saunders has been, uh, has been, you know, benefited from that. No shade to Brendan Daly, but Joe Cullen's a top, D-line coach in this league, and Brendan Daly is a good coach, and those are not the same thing at this, all this all the time. So, yeah. Um, but Tom, talk to me though, because you're we 
line play and Colin and uh, now we've got extra bodies and people and things and now what are we doing? Because this looks they're they're running hockey lines on defense <laughs> at the line position. I I'm not the y'all are playing that's the sport I'm most familiar with. <laughs> Watching the defensive line swap four guys at a time like it's a line yeah. change in hockey is not something I'm used to watching football teams do. Well, that is exactly what Spagnolo historically has done, and his defensives have been at the best when they had depth up front. And let's not I, – I don't want – so that's – you know, you – as an offensive lineman, you go out there and you are – like, it's, it's a war every snap in the trenches, right? And so who you're lining up with, who you're assigned to, you know, that can play – that can change, you know, down to down. But when you've got multiple guys who have different skill sets who are competent and can beat you in different ways, right? I just I just can't imagine, you know, some tackle going out there. And, and here's another thing that we've seen this year. Frank Clark has been moved. You know, there is no – this defensive front really is like the they're playing guys all the over the place. Again. Yeah. He has his I mean, teeth back. He looks, he looks dangerous again. Imagine, imagine being a right tackle and you look up on one play and, and – it's Frank Clark, and then you're like, okay, you handle that for a minute, and then you look up, and then there's George Karloftis, and he's fresh coming off the sidelines. He's, you know, just got a drink, and he's coming in for a couple snaps, and, and that kid's strong as hell, but maybe you don't go to the snap. You're like, okay, what now? And then you, huh, then you Carlos look up, Dunlap. and here comes, yeah, here, comes, here comes Carlos Dunlap and his six foot six, 270-pound, you know, veteran experience. Completely fresh and been standing there for 10 minutes yep. waiting to kill you. Yeah, and then what's that? Oh, we're twisting guys around, and, and Chris Jones has ended up, you know, across your face mask, and so yeah, that's the you know Mike. And when he, I mean, I know Mike, Mike Dana is battling an injury, but some people are like, who's this Mike Dana guy? Mike Dana, he's moving bodies this year, right? He's got he's been a he's benefited from being able to take on some of those matchups. So been they the, have Mike Dana or Nick Bolton game. I don't know yeah. which one it is. Yeah, um, and then they've got you know inside. Obviously, you've got Chris Jones, but. The Colin Saunders being uh, a bigger factor is is huge. Um, Derek Naughty, we know we know what he does in terms of stuffing the run. Derek Naughty, literally, yeah. And then Tershawn Wharton, right? Like again, that as you kind of do whatever you like, you want to stuff the run, you want to go big, you go Carl Loftus, you know Wharton or not Wharton, Carl Loftus Nandi. Um, Who was that? Colin, Jones. not sorry, <laughs> Derek Naughty. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking about the next name. I messed up. So yeah, you go Derek Naughty, Colin Saunders, throw out, uh, you know, Frank Chris Clark, Jones, however you want to do it. Yeah, George, Chris Jones. You can you play got, this however you, got you want. Numerous. You got a lot of pieces just, there. It's so, you want to go so much deeper go, than we've seen from the Chiefs D line in the past couple years. Yeah, for sure. You want to play the speed game or the power game, however you want to line it up, right? Chris Jones, Tershawn Wharton, Frank Clark out there, throw Carl Loftus down at the edge or or Dunlop down at the edge, like. You can you can really play some matchup games, and you can keep offensive linemen on their toes. Yeah, no longer the days of Alan Bailey and Alex Okafor in a three-down. Hey, we will front, not take you know? Alan Bailey slander on this podcast. I like Alan, Alan Bailey. Bailey. Alan Bailey is a great player, but mostly because Alan, Alan built... Bailey looks like he, he could rip maybe... a grown man in half with his bare hands. I say Alan, Alan Bailey, Bailey you know what? built in the lab. He is. Also... I won't even say anything. He's also more not. It, it was it was one of those. It's great. He's athletically built in lab. We're just, just not quite there on the on the yeah. He had some yeah. good. He had some good years towards towards the last couple years. I think his, 
you know. I think the reason I'm most excited for Colin Saunders is because I think the thing that he had, he and Turk Wharton provide that I don't think you see in a lot of traditional defensive linemen interiorly anyway, is the ability to help shut down a guy like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or some of these more mobile, fast, quick twitch quarterbacks because of their speed and ability to change angles on quarterbacks. Colin Saunders and Tershawn Wharton are huge human beings who also happen to be really athletic. If they beat one of their men on a block on a pass rush, that drastically changes what the quarterback, even if it's Kyler or or Lamar or Josh, is dealing with because, uh-oh, that guy's actually fast enough to kind of run with me in some instances. That's a problem for those guys. That's their that that's the element for me with those two that they provide that, that on these line changes on the style of defense that's just so exciting for me on this defensive line. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if statue Tom Brady is affected by any of this stuff or we're just all worried about the wrong things. Yeah, I mean Tom Brady is obviously one of the best in the game for a reason. He isn't the most mobile quarterback, but he he does have some insane pocket presence. With that being said, very excited to see uh, this Chiefs D-line get to work on him on Sunday night. But fellas, let's get to some game predictions here, some score predictions. Kyle, let's start off with you first. 11-7, to 7 because it's <laughs> a stupid, horrible... Pro- is it primetime? Is this a primetime game? Yeah, Sunday night football. Okay, so every primetime game la- this last weekend was an absolute dumpster fire that was just... Every primetime game, maybe this entire year, honestly. And, and... Hurricane, Tampa's not even practicing in Tampa this week. Stupid things are happening. Everybody's hurt. Who knows? No, man, like, I don't know. 27, 25, 26. I honestly like 11-7. Chiefs, Buccaneers, flip a coin. I'll take the Chiefs because I think they can win the game. But, like, I don't know, 27, 24? Yeah. Tom, what are you thinking here? This is a, it's like it's just like it's such a random game. Like oh, I haven't even had time to think about like, it. Yeah, I, can't I even, like you really can't even factor anything into this game. Like this is it a complete? I tell you what, the game. We don't bet it. That's what I'm telling you. Don't yeah, don't bet. bet don't game. bet. Uh, but I got um, to though. I'm no, you can bet prop stuff. I just yeah. wouldn't bet score oh, lines. Definitely not or, money line or, or money lines or, or yeah. Any of that crap. I you you I Definitely wouldn't even mess not. with the over under because you may get nine points this whole game. Like I yeah. Yeah. honestly I'm gonna go unpopular. I'm gonna do something I don't think I've done on this show since we've had it. You're gonna pick him to lose be... Yeah, I am. I'm and I'm not like I think it's gonna be a de- I think the defense is gonna struggle at first, and then I think the uh it's gonna look sloppy. I, I could see this being one of those games where the Chiefs have had one of these almost every year where they just kind of get it handed to them, and then that's when they really figure some things out, right? The Buffalo games, uh, and Tennessee game last year, like, I, I this might be one of those games. So I'm going to go with a final score of 38-28 to 28, Tampa Bay. You and I think the team giving up 38 points? Jeez. I do. I think that they're going to struggle early <laughs> on, and I think Tom Brady is just going to keep going. I don't even know if there's 38 points being scored in this game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to. Uh, I don't know my uh, my history of picking. Um, I feel like I've picked against the Chiefs before, 
maybe just once or twice. Um, but I'm unfortunately choosing against the Chiefs here. I think, uh, kind of like Tom said, I think this is a game the Chiefs... I tweeted out, but I kind of said that the Chiefs have sometimes have these wake-up games where like they're just slapped in the face. But then we saw so many poor performances last year that kind of didn't wake them up from this. And I don't think... You know, like three of them to get kicked in the head finally and be like, uh, guys. Yeah, yeah. And I, it just feels like the Colts' loss, it wasn't devastating enough, you know? It's yeah. like I think they feel like really they could have still won that and they were in it till the end and something like that. It's just yeah, it wasn't because they, they could have they should have still won that and they yeah were, exactly and it like it's just there that didn't at, in my opinion that probably didn't wake them up you know and then all the the stuff with Bienemy and Mahomes and Andy Reid and all this drama that that's was talked about early on in the week I didn't even we didn't even talk about that because I just think that's yeah way exactly because it's and no, it guys, is but no, it's in his contract he's allowed to yell at Patrick come on <laughs> well, it just seems the... like to me to me this. This game, I would say, I will is say a wake arguing up. Arguing with Jamal Charles about how he was coached by the individual <laughs> he's talking about is a wild listen, thing. Listen, listen, listen. We're moving on to the future here. I just do not think that the Chiefs are going to have fully woken up. I think there's going to be some struggles still offensively, but I think this is a game that they can kind of tool up and try some new things, maybe get Sky more integrated more into the offense, maybe try some different things on defense, maybe do a couple different you know, looks with the running backs and the run game and establishing that. I think it won't be as sloppy of a game from the Chiefs. I just think the Bucks are going to come out better. And ultimately, I'm a, really, I'm like I said, this is a low-scoring game in my eyes. I'm maybe going with, like, 21 to 14 Buccaneers. And maybe maybe I'll tack on three more points from the Chiefs. Maybe I'll... That depends who's kicking. Yeah, that is that is the point. It does that not sound true. like Bucker is going to be good to go. Well, it's just, they it just got does rid not... of the problem. And this, although I will say, this new kid's supposedly much more accurate and consistent than the last one. So they're great on practice fields. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, I, like we said, yeah. man, I just Garrett, I don't blame you at all for that score prediction because, like, we, we already talked about like this game. Like, who? Like, I have. I no really idea don't have. I, and there's a there's a. a more than 50% chance in my mind that the Chiefs just do the complete opposite of what I do. Maybe I'm trying to pick them, pick against them to jinx it. I don't know. Maybe it's secretly. And maybe saying that also breaks that. And then maybe also saying this breaks that. So who knows if we're triple bounding this or not. But I know if I, know if I pick them close and you two pick them to lose and it works, we're going to do that the rest of the year. <laughs> exactly. So who knows? But I don't know. This game, like I said, it really is a coin flip. Like, I would, if you flipped a coin and that was the winner of the game, I would, be, I would not be surprised. So... Um, yeah, that's, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, we are definitely looking forward to watching this game Sunday night. Um, just hoping for something that really, I think all of, I can, I can speak for everyone here where we say, we just hope that there's nothing that just makes the national media go crazy, but inevitably <laughs> there probably is going to be something that makes the national media go crazy. So with that being said, thank you all so much for listening to this one. We appreciate you for rocking with us. Be sure to follow us at Kingdom Says Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and IG, and we will talk to you guys next week.
Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.